This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. How's everybody tonight? Good? Good? Open? Everybody feel good and open? And um, when Craig was saying that it's like God is doing some downloads, I think often in, in times like that, he prepares our hearts for what, um, what he is doing and also... Um, what he wants to move further in with us personally. You know, and the beautiful thing about that is we can come to a gathering like this and what he's doing in each one of us, and I say this again and again, but I say it again and again so that we all, including myself, can grasp this. He's moving in each one of us individually. I think it's so important to embrace personal ministry personal movement of God and what he's doing in our lives because a corporate expression is only as powerful as what's happening in each individual person. You understand the power isn't the leaders that stand on the platform. Um, It's not the denomination. It's not even the doctrine. It's what's happening, what God is able to do in individual hearts. So we are going to um, continue in... um, the life of a worshiper. I have an earpiece that is a, feels a little big. I don't think there's anybody in this house with ears this big, but but hopefully it'll stay in place. Maybe my glasses will hold it. Um, but I wanna I wanna move further into that. So um, just for technical purposes, this is the life of a worshiper, part two. <laughs> for lack of any other names to call where we're going and what we're doing. Um, If you remember from last week, I believe that um, God is wanting to really get us to let our hearts go in what worship will look like in each one of our lives, not what we'll look like in a worship service. (laughs) Because remember last week, I I said, I think I actually, and I'm I'm being transparent with you guys, and I'm going to do it again tonight, part of going down this road that I've resisted for a bit of time is that the minute you say the word worship, people have a preconceived idea of what you're going to teach on and and what it means. And sometimes people will shut off and say, well, I'm really not into worship. I don't really dig worship services. And that's not what worship is. So um, I, you know, sometimes God just sort of kicks you out of the boat, not in a mean way, but he says, you know, I mean, Are you going to say yes to me to teach what I really want to do? And so as I said last week, we've been moving down a path this year, since January, in the School of Word and Worship, um, just Jesus. Just Jesus. So we're going to continue, and I believe it culminates, us each letting our lives happen just with Jesus and because of Jesus it will culminate in our own personal worship being released into the earth. Um, And I think we'll probably, most of us will be a little shocked that a large percentage of that isn't going to happen in a church service or even necessarily a church ministry. Is anybody with me? Like, are you ready to have... God kind of rock your paradigm because I do believe that it's part of the maturing of the body of Christ in the earth. 
Would you agree there isn't this maturity place you arrive at, and then, well, we're the church in the earth. We know all there is to know about God. No, it's continual generation to generation, people growing up in the truth that, that God reveals to their personal heart. So <clears throat> I want to start with this tonight. Um, our worship is built, the worship that flows out of our life, not the worship that happens in a worship service, but the worship of our lives is built bit by bit, I think it's so, you know, like there, I've heard so much pros and cons on process. People that love process and all of human life, human existence, um, all of humanity is living in a life and there's process in life. And then other people say, I hate that word. I don't believe life is a process. We're new creatures in Christ. We're 100%. This is it. We're sealed. And so we battle with all of our own paradigms against one another rather than just saying, you know, God, um, I don't have to define it as process, but life does unfold moment to moment to moment. Um, You can call it seasons. I've heard people say, I hate to hear about the seasons of life. Well, sweetheart, there are seasons. And even on the planet in nature, there are seasons. You know, I mean, there's winter and spring and summer and fall. And we don't say we hate that. So sometimes we have to just say, you know, people can define it however the heck they want to define it. Even in what I'm presenting to you, I'm not presenting this to you and who the other faculty that will come and teach however they minister in this space, they're not saying it has to look like this for you. One of the powerful things in the embodiment of Christ is that we begin to embrace one another. You don't have to think like I do, but we can't be divided by the fact that we think about certain truths differently. This is the key thing of why Um, the world, the people in the world that aren't yet saved, know God, know Jesus, many times they're they're like flabbergasted by the fact that we think they should come into what we do because they say, you guys don't even agree. So why should we agree with you? Because y'all aren't even one. You have the same God, but you don't even see him the same. And and then you divide and you segment. And are y'all with me? So I think there is something of the maturing of the embodiment of Christ in the earth that's happening across the globe. It's happening in different people groups. And so if it's happening in different people groups and in different cultures, it's going to look dramatically different. But if truly we take our place as the voice of faith, the voice of confidence in God, the voice that trusts that God is good and he's moving on the planet, if we will do that, then we will be able to embrace and love others even when they are dramatically different than us. Because remember, I think a couple of few weeks ago, I said, do we really recognize truth? Or do we only recognize it as the truth of God when it's presented the way we would present it? All of these, you know, it's funny because I find, and at least for me, Whatever I'm swimming in and however God is coming to me to mature me, that's going to be the bent of of what comes out because you can only teach really impartationally out of your own experience. You, You can read a book. You can read the scriptures. You can memorize the scriptures. And you can just regurgitate them because that's what Christians do is we speak the scriptures. So 
I think the next level of maturing in the earth is that God is really truly taking us to places and saying, it is okay to ask questions, to ask many questions, to ask questions of how God is moving in my heart. How does God want my life? What does he want it to look like? What does he really not care about? You know, I think some of the things that we think, oh, no, 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 he could care less. Seriously. I mean, some of the things that we just obsess on and God's like, I mean, it's okay if you care about that, but I don't. Anybody ever had him talk to you like that? I mean, I love, I love church gatherings. I love people. I love the body of Christ. I love the family of God. But I realized that it's time for us to like go to the next level, you know, like to have company, not just in our services, but like go out there and have company, build relationships, um, find the gifts in people and say, there's a gift in there instead of that's a heathen. Uh Uh-huh. With a gift. I mean, I was born again at eight. And then proceeded, I, I, I'm not going to speak for you. I believe in once saved, always saved. That's just, I mean, he doesn't take it out once he puts it in. Once, I mean, I'm saved. With all that, I lived like a heathen. For all intents and purposes, the way that I was living was not by the Spirit. I was not being led by the Spirit. I was being led by a spirit, my own desires. I'm just saying, okay? So worship is built bit by bit. Each minute, think about this, each minute of each day, and therefore habits, disciplines, behaviors are never insignificant. Each minute of each day, there are things that we do. Now, say no condemnation. Because sometimes we just think, well, this is when I'm really concentrating on God. This is when I'm, I'm practicing doing the word. And then this other part over here is just my natural life. But the word, and that's why this school, to name the school, the school of word and worship, those aren't really two different things. The word of God, and this is why I wanted this name, the word of God turns the human heart toward God, which is worship. So tonight, if you get nothing else, don't obsess and feel guilty and and all that and dirty and all, but begin to realize that each moment is significant. So if I'm thinking crazy, I have to say, Kathy, you're thinking crazy. That's that's not going to literally allow you to be enlivened by spirit. That's going to put up a resistance. Are you with me? When we come to times which we traditionally, this is crazy. I mean, I was thinking about this yesterday morning. When we come to times which we traditionally call worship, that expression and outpouring has been started long before we arrive at the worship service. That's a way, yikes, and ouch. I don't mean it to be... but. You see, I'm looking at all these things even personally. I'm looking at the, the boxes that I've built in my life because this word has been preeminent 
in my heart and in my life for decades now. And so, you know, you find out the truths from scripture and then it's just kind of human nature to build boxes to store your stuff in. Isn't it? Now, if you're a person who always purges and cleans and organizes and all that, you might, this might make no sense to you. I happen to not be that kind of person. I've got stuff. I have places. I'll get things to put my stuff in, to put in places, so that the place with all the stuff looks more organized. We do the same thing with this. You know what it's called? Religion. We want to make sure we have all of our ducks in the right box and in a row. And we think we have to walk with God like this. Make sure you follow the path and get to heaven in the right way. And God's saying, I want to come in and kind of hang out on earth. So this this aspect when we come into a worship service, and I'm just using this as an example because a lot of things in our life we have formed them bit by bit, even as we're being trained. You see, the one thing that I don't want to happen as we enter into this um, exploration in the life of being a worshiper, because actually every human being is created by God. Don't freak out, because you're, you're probably thinking, I know a lot of people, they are not worshipers. They're ordained by God to be a worshiper. But we have this picture of people who just always look holy and have their hands lifted and speak in tongues and pay tithes and come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays or Tuesdays or whenever the heck you have church. And they always do volunteer work at the church because that's what Christians do. Are you with me? Because God is going to unravel some of our perceptions so that the way we're actually gifted can begin to emerge into the earth and be an actual expression of adoration and surrender toward him. You see, you go out to somebody that doesn't know God and you say, I'm a Christian. I'm surrendered to God. I'm devoted. I mean, they don't want to hear our church talk. My father used to say something that was so detrimental. I look back on it and I think, no wonder I walked where I walked. He would say, do as I say, not as I do. My dad was a great dad, provision, all of that. But there was some crazy that lived in our home. And that crazy afforded me space to emerge into how I wanted to live my life. Because basically, and I didn't know this when I was younger, I actually did as he did. My promiscuity was the product of promiscuity that lived in our home. I'm not blaming my dad because that's my choice. I'm just saying, God's not saying, do as I say, not as I do. Unfortunately, a lot of people see either parents or leaders in the church, maybe leaders in their school, behave certain ways or teach certain things. So as we go through this exploration and Honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. This exploration will probably take the rest of this year. Because I want each faculty member to come and minister what's in their heart regarding surrender and devotion and and how they are practically experiencing truth at different levels, at progressive release of their own heart and mind to God. 
not so that you take notes and then have to do it like us, but so that if we will be transparent and unashamed, unafraid, and release our hearts, then the spirit of the school of word and worship, the spirit of so, will be liberty and and truly a space where you can be you. Because if God approves you, why would we not approve each other? It doesn't mean God likes everything we do. However, God approves us and pulls us close and says, I will literally guide you and teach you. Okay? So this expression when we come into the worship territory or worship services, it can be brilliant, designed from intimacy. Or it could just be what we've learned to do in that situation because we've been taught. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking of all kinds of examples, but... I don't want to diss. I came from a denomination, and our worship service was, um, you know, hymn 232. And it wasn't that anything was wrong or horrible. It's just there wasn't room for the movement of our hearts. I actually, um, my mother was involved in a church, and I found out that that particular denomination the pastors in those churches didn't even make the decisions of what hymns they did or what messages they taught. They got a list each year, and they did certain, certain sermons, certain Sundays, and attached certain hymns to them. Not a judgment of them, but an observation that that's not scriptural. You see, in Romans, Paul wrote that the mature sons are led by the Spirit, not the Bible, not pastors, not teachers, Believers, as they mature, are led by the Spirit. Um, I've seen the Spirit lead people, and back in the day, I might look and think, oh, my God. Anybody ever done that? You, you are, and first of all, how dare we? But then second, and sometimes leaders feel responsible, like if anybody in my meeting does something that's not God, I'm accountable for that. And so we get scared and then control. So, so here's the thing for you for this next thing. There's going to be some noise. We got to get rid of noise. You know, noise is um, voices, guidance that distracts you really from what God is saying into your life. Even like right now, if you all get before God with, okay, we're walking into this in so, Father, what do you want to do with my heart? What do you want to do with my mind? Are there areas you're going to touch? I even think that the way that Craig led us in worship tonight, God was touching different places. You know, sometimes God touches you and you don't really know what he's doing. And you you feel a touch. You feel like, oh, something's happening, but you have no idea what's happening. A lot of us don't like that because we don't know how we can translate it. And we feel very responsible as Christians to do what's appropriate. Anybody? I'm going to put both hands up because I want to be a responsible, not just a responsible believer, a responsible Christian, but I want to be a responsible leader. I don't want to take people down crazy paths. So that's part of why, too, I've been like putting off, I don't even want to tell you how long I've put off bringing this particular stuff into so, but it's been a bit of time. It's been a bit of time. And and then it kind of looks like, okay, well, the way things are going, this really isn't what should be being done here in our household right now. And then when God begins to say, actually, it is. 
actually there are some people coming that are so sold out to God that they can be trendsetters. Are you willing to be a trendsetter with your heart? You know, David was a trendsetter. (laughs) Crazy guy, you know? I mean, seriously, a crazy guy. Um, But he was a trendsetter. I don't really want to follow his trend because I don't want to strip down in my underwear and go out in the street and worship. But, But he was a trendsetter with his heart. We still, I mean, just look at it. We still look at the Psalms. And we and the one the psalmist we look at the most is David. And yet he's the one who saw a chick, wanted her, had her, and then killed her husband because he got her pregnant. And God says he's a man after my own heart. Clearly that had nothing to do with behavior. It had to do with an attitude of heart and mind. It had to do with an attitude that said, I'm truly accepted. I'm truly accepted. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn what he wants to do in my heart, in my life. Y'all with me? So to clarify further, noise is unnecessary sounds that drive us, that unsettle us, that condemn us and rob us of our confidence, our strength, and our will to progress in true life. You know, religious Christianity can actually stunt your growth. I hope you all know, ones that know me deeply know my heart. Those of you that are newer to, you know, what I bring, um, it's, it's kind of um, provocative, some of the things I bring, because I feel like God really does want us to realize that religion is a killer, It's a killer. And most of us have succumbed to it without even realizing and may even, I mean, I know I have some still in me because I can tell when he um, says certain things to me, I kind of bristle or um, I'm like, no, I don't want to teach that now. So if he's speaking to my heart and there's something he wants to move in me with and then through me, wouldn't religion be the thing that would say, oh, no, no, that doesn't fit the current box? I want to go to Philippians chapter 4. Is everybody awake tonight? Tired? Have you had a busy, busy day? You know what's beautiful about God and um, the way that He moves in so is you can be tired and feel like okay I'm getting nothing I have no idea what or maybe I have no idea what she's talking about and yet if you have a teacher that's intentional and sowing you know like the ground might have you know when you plant flowers the ground doesn't know what's happening but the ground is built for the seed you're going to put in it and I know and have revelation that your hearts are built for the seed I'm bringing and I'm intentionally planting it. And I'm praying over the seed and letting rain come on the seed with my faith because some things are being planted in me that as you're stirred, your behaviors will affect me and release my life even further. So I've got this crazy kind of confidence that if I just bring what I finally am obedient to bring, we're all going to be changed beyond our own present understanding. 
Can anybody agree with me? All I need is one. Cool. And I got more than one. Okay. Philippians 4, and I want to start at verse 6. And I'm reading in the New King James. Um, I just kind of felt to go back a little bit, partly because I've got some notes in this particular Bible that I want to um, focus on. <clears throat> verse 6 in Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no thing. Don't be anxious. And I want to stop for just a minute because the word anxious there is marimneo, and it's division of the mind. Don't have a division of the mind. Don't let your mind be divided. God's doing something among us in here. And he will stabilize it. He will sow the seed. He will stabilize it. He will water the seed. We will agree together, and there's going to be something that happens that causes God to be honored. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, what's beautiful about that is he says, don't be anxious. Just talk to me about everything. Talk to me about everything. You see, you know, King James and New King James uses words, but that's really what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want you to have your mind divided. Come to me knowing you're accepted. Come to me, ask me any questions and know that if you just, just come thankfully ahead of time, knowing that any question you ask me, I'm going to minister to you about it. Now I may have to teach you some other things before I can give you that answer, but I'm not withholding anything from you. It's very important that we understand the spirit from which Paul was teaching the Philippians. Don't be anxious. Don't be divided in your mind. Don't be discouraged. Don't sit here tonight and maybe then leave and say, I'm so far off base with all of this. Don't even entertain thoughts like that. Those are some of the things that will distract you. Those are things that will quench the movement of spirit inside you. You see, if we're sensitive, but then we entertain these things that split our mind, that make us feel crazy, that make us feel distracted or condemned or whatever. Those things begin to cause us, the spirit inside of us, to be quenched, to be held down because we look so much at ourselves. And we depend on ourselves to do this word. We can't do this. I mean, come on, guys. We can't even believe the gospel on our own. It's not believable with a human mind. I mean, a virgin gets pregnant by an unseen spirit. That's a horror movie. That's not, I mean, seriously, think about it. The world looks at us and like, how can you believe that God? I mean, we have things that happen right in front of our eyes and we believe this more than that. This is how miracles happen. That's why it's so important that we stop quenching the spirit inside of us, that we let him move inside of us because we're so hungry to see miracles. And yet we're letting all this crazy thinking like run around inside of us and this Merimneo stuff that's splitting our brain. And, And then James says, well, if you're of two minds, you can't receive anything, not because God's withholding, but there's no place for it to land. I mean, like the stuff is coming from God. Where's it gonna land? In your crazy spot or your smart spot? No, it lands right between the two. And then all of that crazy inside of us quenches it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, man. Just chat with God. Let your requests be made known. You feel you're dumb? You want to be smarter about truth? Just tell him. I feel stupid spiritually. I don't feel like I even understand the scriptures. In fact, I don't think any of your word makes sense. 
I mean, he'd rather you say that. Like the word does, I don't understand the Bible. And he's like, well, that's why I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. So let's just walk this thing out together. It says, if you'll do that, let, let anxiety go. You know, that is a choice. We have to choose that. Okay. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. I'm going to tell you what. I would rather say, I don't have any idea what you're doing in the earth, but I feel so peaceful. I don't need to know God. Sometimes, you know, we need to say, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. I said last week, oh, and I feel like I need to apologize uh, because I think I might have offended somebody. I said that if I heard another person say that, that the United States was going to hell in a handbasket, I, I wanted to punch him right in the face. So, and I, I did apologize then and said, if that's you, I'm sorry. But I, I, I thought about it later, you know, like I'll say things like, God, are you cool with, you know, like what I'm bringing? Is this what you want me to bring? And then I, that was the first thing that popped in my head was, that was pretty extreme. And I, I do love people, but I don't understand things like that because we're supposed to be receiving truth and then speaking loving words over people. So anyway, so if that made you feel funky about who I am and how I am, I'm sorry. I mean, I was telling the truth, though. You know. The peace of God, which surpasses understanding. Because I got peaceful once he told me, you know, just apologize to him again. And I'm like, okay, cool. I feel peaceful. The peace of God passes your understanding and it'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It'll guard. You see, this is where if worship is really going to release out of our lives, then we're going to have to start doing some of this stuff. We're going to have to resist anxiety and get with God and just say, I may not even feel you. I may not even think you're here. I may think you don't even want to be here with me. But your word says you do. Your word says you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. And so as long as I keep going back to what your word says, and I'm allowing your word to change my mind, even when I say, okay, I'm saying this, but I don't really believe it right now. You know, the, the biggest power of confession is what you hear yourself say. And a lot of times we don't guard what we say in here. And the, the Bible says in Matthew 12, <laughs> like it's going to come out of your mouth. You can say, oh, I'm not going to say it out loud. If you keep thinking it up here out of the abundance of our interior, we're going to speak. So at some point we're going to say the crazy. And then we hear ourselves say it out loud. And then other people hear us say it. And then we literally can build a little group built out of our crazy thinking. It's creepy, though. And we do it. And we just be like our friends. And, you know, this is the way we do the work. And do you know that entire denominations have been built that way? Because we are built together. Humans are built together. We're going to always gather. Humans are always going to gather. People can say, I want to be isolated. They're gathering with something, I promise you. I mean, just because you're alone doesn't mean there's nobody gathered there with you. The enemy is into division. I'm going to tell you what, we're going to unscramble some, some of what we've been taught religiously because we've been taught some stuff that's not God. So Paul says... Finally, brethren, like finally, I'm going to tell you what to really think about. Why do you think he had this wisdom? He'd been thinking crazy and the Holy Spirit had come and taught him. And other people that ministered to him had taught him. 
He says, you know, none of us know anything unless somebody else taught us. So anything you know, you learned it from somebody else. So none of us can be full of pride because whatever we know, we learn somewhere. And that person who taught it to you learned it somewhere. So if they're teaching you crud, they learned it somewhere. So don't get mad at them. They can only teach you what they've learned. But now we're going to look at real stuff. And I'm not saying just follow after what I'm saying. Get with God in truth and find out what he wants to do with the scriptures in your life. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate, think, ponder, dwell on these things. You know, if you're thinking cuckoo stuff about yourself or another person, (laughs) we act like, you know, we never think stuff about other people. You can be smiling, talking all lovey-dovey, and thinking the person's nutso. That's not what we should be pondering on. I mean, duh. He's literally Paul, and if... I encourage you, if you are a person who likes to study scripture, check out some of the Greek, because, I mean, it's frighteningly enlightening (laughs) about what some of these words mean, because we think, well, that's, you know, no harm done. I didn't say anything ugly to them. People feel what you're thinking. I mean, don't you feel what people are thinking? I mean, sometimes people just really try to not have a look, but they'd be looking at you, and you can tell they think I'm nuts. Or if people are angry, you can feel it, right? They don't have to say anything ugly. They can just walk into a room mad and you're like, oh. The whole atmosphere, you know? So Paul's saying, you know, it's time to really think about what I'm thinking about. How do I think about it? Do I need to think about it? Paul said, take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. I read that, I'm like, oh my gosh. I just want to say, Jesus, do you know how much I think? Like, do you know, I mean, I'm a deep thinker. I'm always thinking about something. I dissect everything. Everything goes on in life. Everything I'm learning from the word. I can go down these roads and sometimes I don't need to. Sometimes it's like, it's just really simple. It's just simple. Shut your talker inside up. I love you. I accept you. Teach this now. Stop trying to figure out what you're going to say when you teach it. Because I can tell you right now, I'm not teaching you a traditional worship service. When I'm up behind this podium, it's not going to be like, oh, let's get the music going. I love the music. But I want, when I enter the music, I want my heart to enter it. Not my brain, not my body. I don't want to do it to impress somebody that I'm a leader who's spiritual and loves worship. No, I love Jesus. I love God. I love Holy Spirit. And I happen to believe, I know me. I know everywhere I've been. The only other person that knows all of that is God. And he saved me, and he put me in full-time ministry and gave me the privilege to touch other people's hearts. That blows me away. I want him to be worshipped appropriately. I want our lives not just to look like a church that is spiritual. Meditate on these things. Most of the time people don't go to verse 9, but I want to. Verse 9 says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Not just with you, you know, like 
He's just there because he's omnipresent. So he's actually around everyone. But he'll be manifestly with you. Not churchified with you. You know, like, you ever try to prove you're a Christian to people and you say, well, I've got a living faith and, you know, I've been there for 30 years. And, um, you know, we can, like, give all of the stuff. That doesn't prove a daggone thing. So these verses literally give us counsel. You know, if you haven't done it, when you go to Scripture, don't, don't just say, okay, God, I want to know how you're counseling me. Just say, as I, as I go to Scripture, God, you're counseling me. As I pick this word up, you're sowing things into me. Some of it is he's just literally wetting your appetite. I'm telling you, the more you go to this word, the more he'll whet your appetite. You know, if you right now aren't really hungry for for reading the Bible and stuff like that, no condemnation. I mean, if you don't approach the book right, it's really a bummer. No, seriously. It's a bummer. This book, if you don't approach it by the Spirit, it'll kill you. This book will kill you. It'll put you in such legalism that you will literally never believe who you can be in Christ. It's a beautiful book, but ministered wrongly, it literally condemns those God died for. And the church is really adept at using it that way. You know, he only hears the sinner's prayer. I heard that all my life. God doesn't hear a thing from anybody until you pray that sinner's prayer. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if our parents did that to us? Until you're really sorry, really show remorse. I'm not going to say a word to you. I don't even want to hear your voice. God would never. Why would he do that? And here's, you, you want, you know, if you want proof text, go to Genesis. Because right when they had done the deed, God's literally, basically, if it was a human father, He's following after him. Adam, where are you? Where are you? You're hiding from me, but I I know where you are, but I want you to know where you are. You're hiding from me. Why are you hiding from me, Adam? This was after the deed, guys. We need to get scriptural pictures of how God handles mankind. Because otherwise, how can our heart really worship? You understand this is what we're kind of hammering at. So these verses actually counsel us on how to live daily. I don't know about you, but sometimes my crazy thinking, I I think I'm living because, you know, like I'm born again and I blah, 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 blah. And yet I'm thinking death thoughts and I can't be enlivened because I got all this crazy stuff going on. I'm being transparent with you because it's, you know, human nature. We've got so many things going on around us. I mean, everyone has come through a tough year just with the, you know, the thing that happened. Then other people literally lost loved ones in that year. So there are so many things where God is like, I truly want to pull you close. You see, he's not seeking worship. This is, I, this is what makes me so excited. He's seeking the worshiper, yeah. not for the worship. To fill the worshiper with all of himself so that the worshiper can do nothing but look at the one who's going to provide all their needs. He's not like, you know, what's that, what is that word when people are, um, I can't think of the word, but um, 
Neil, what's that word we always, people are, it's not there. It's just not there. But anyways, he's not like, okay, egotistical and like, I just want you all to worship me. He wants the good for us. He wants the good for us. Um, I want to go back to um, the moment-to-moment thing. Because you remember a few weeks ago when I talked about moment-to-moment, how um, life unfolds moment-to-moment, so nothing is inconsequential. Nothing that happens in life. Like, if you have one moment where, whoa, I just sense God so much, that's not inconsequential. That's huge. He, that's, that's an event, even if it's teeny-tiny, but you felt hope rise in you for, for a split second. But then you might have felt funky again. But the hope rose. He wants us to go back to those memories, to to suck all the life out of them. It's important to know that moments, every moment in life, icky moments, we can retrieve them and bring them into God. And the reason this is important is because what God's doing in the earth with the maturity in the body, he's, he's putting together generation to generation. He wants us to approach scripture, to approach life in Christ, to approach worship, to approach our call. You know, sometimes we've made calls lofty. Do you understand tonight that every human being is called? Every single human being ever born previously or to be born in the future is called. There are some of us in this day who are called to help others recognize God's calling your name. God's calling out to you. He's calling out to us in this school of word and worship to release us that our lives would literally be shining lights so that other people would know he's already accepted you. Are y'all with me? So let's go to Deuteronomy. I heard this statement the other day. It rocked me. And today when I was looking at my notes and thinking about the statement that I heard, um, the lady that said it is Dee Dee Freeman. Um, she's, she actually is from DC and now she's the speaker and everything. I don't know if anybody's familiar with her, but, um, she's fire, man. So anyway, so she said, every moment is designed to protect another moment. I mean, Selah, you can pause and ponder that. Think about that. If he, if we're being led by the Spirit, he wants to lead us, and he's saying, Kathy, you're thinking crazy, just move over here. That thought is not truth. Move over here. That moment is going to protect other moments. As we lean into what the Spirit is doing in our lives, even a moment is designed by God to build on one another. You see, God never intended that we would have both good and bad. That's why he said, don't, don't go to that tree. It wasn't just about a tree, a natural tree. It was about who she would fellowship with at that tree. It was giving her a place to not go in order to move into how God was going to guide. You see, God is into, and this is what I love about God. He's into teaching us how to handle our own autonomy, our own authority. You want to know why sometimes our kids are so bent on doing things a certain way? They're dominion figures just like us. All humans are dominion figures. They're built to run things. All of us are. 
But we all have to learn submission because it teaches us how to handle the level of authority that God gave us. You see, he said, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, guard the earth. He said, he knew who was in the garden. He knew that Satan had fallen from the heavenly realm. He knew that he had messed things up. He says, let there be light, and then puts these governmental figures on the earth, men and women built in his image to govern the planet, to have dominion, not take dominion, have dominion. You see, if it's out of our hands, we've given it. The enemy doesn't really have the power to take it from us. He tricks us and he does it moment to moment, bit by bit, thought by thought. We can think, well, that's just Kathy thinking her insecure, silly thoughts. No, no, that's something that was sown into the earth years ago, thousands of years ago. The stuff that makes us think, those are just my thoughts. No, We're built to be filled. Any thoughts you have have come from one kingdom or the other. In actual fact, and the first time I heard this, I was like, it was back in the day with, you know, cassettes. I stopped it. I'm like, no, no. This world-renowned teacher, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, said, man's never had an original thought. I thought, you got to be kidding me. I mean, we're divine beings made in God's image. But if you think about it, because he made us to be filled, he made us to be in relationship with him, that he would speak goodness and love and grace into us all the time. Think about that, guys. And so it's either coming to us from light, from the kingdom of light, or it's coming from darkness. And we might say, well, that's my mom and dad giving me this info. And so we don't want to think bad of mom and dad. And so we'll go down, are y'all with me? Because we're not trying to trash mom and dad or any denomination or anything, but I believe God deserves that we would look to him and say, you're the only one that can teach us how to live life according to your will on planet earth, to really live life. My daughter and I have a bracelet together that says celebrate life. We celebrate life. But we're learning, we're maturing as women in what is it to celebrate life? What does a celebration look like? For me, sometimes a celebration looks like I was thinking crazy and he opened the eyes of my understanding and realized that is really crazy. Come back. And I celebrate. Thank you. Without the spirit, how would I know that vein of thinking is crazy? How would I have known that everything I was raised on was not the truth, that yes, I could have a heavenly language and be baptized in the Holy Spirit and be healed? I was taught that God will use sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. I was. Remember burning of the barley fields, Neil? Ooh. How God will, what he'll do in your life to teach you a lesson, to get your attention. That's nonsense. It is scary. Okay, so I want to go to Deuteronomy. Because this this passage, this is so powerful. Stay awake just a little bit longer. Okay? Hold true, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit. I'm going to Deuteronomy 30. One of my favorite passages. I'm going to start at verse 14. 
But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. It's Romans 10.8, but that's where it came from. Nothing is old or new. God just is. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. Here's why. It says that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go in to possess. See, some of that sounds like commands and just obey. But he's saying, no, no, walk in my way so you can live. Not so you can be cute little obedient Christians. So you can live. You might define what living is to you differently than me based on things God has spoken to you, right? And that's okay. What has he spoken to you about? You've had a different life than me, different experiences. And so he's not saying, well, only if you walk this way. Now that you've come to living faith, you've got to look like this. No. No. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods. You know, most of us would say, I would never worship another god. Never. You see, that's because we have preconceived ideas of what a God would be. And we look at false religions and we say, now they're worshiping another God. I would never do that. Okay, so let's look at the traditional picture. Okay, y'all love me? Okay, because I'm about to slam something. We say we would never have another God. We worship worship. We worship certain songs. We say, ooh, that one really gets me there. Okay, say no condemnation. We've all done it. I have favorites. But when our preference steps in front of the omnipotent God, something's wrong. We'll walk away. Okay, can I go a little further in? Okay. We'll walk away from a worship service and critique it like we would if we went to the movies. I mean, some of our conversations outside or post a worship service or a worship night or whatever. Okay, say no condemnation. I'm pointing fingers this direction too because you go out and you say, wow, that was really good worship. It's not for me. It will bless me. Say no condemnation, seriously. Okay, I'm not trying. I'm just, we've got to grow past some of these things. We've got to say, okay, God, help us to understand really What is worship in the earth? Really, truly, what part does music play in that? So I I use that illustration just because, you know, even certain doctrines. I mean, when I first got baptized in the Spirit, I was like, dang, diddy, dang, dang. My whole life would have been different if I had been taught what actually happened to me the day I got walked an aisle in a Baptist church. If I, because I had an experience in that church that I have, I can literally close my eyes and go there and I feel it all again. I encountered God, the father, God, the son, and the Holy spirit. And no one had ever taught me these things. And then they just did what they did. They baptized me. And now I'm a Christian and I'm going to heaven. And then there was no further teaching on the Holy spirit. None. He regenerated to get me saved 
with no more teaching on that I walked with him every day, that I would know the Father, know the Son, because the Holy Spirit would open me up to relate to them. Are you all with me? So don't move away and worship other gods and serve them. See, this, when we look at Old Testament scriptures, often we'll think, well, they're talking literally and false gods and all this. But we can glean so much from this because we don't behave any differently. And actually, we're very similar to how the Jews acted in Israel and, and everything. I mean, we can be so pharisaical, it's nauseating. I mean, sometimes I've literally felt myself go certain places and say, oh, my gosh. Or you learn something and then you only fellowship with Jesus in the dark about it. Like Nicodemus, you know, like, I don't want anybody around me to know that I believe this. I've still got some things. Ain't nobody right now knows my beliefs in certain areas. And it ain't going to happen unless. I'm just saying. But that's okay. You can have stuff like that with God. Okay? (laughs) I freak some people out now. Sorry. He said, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. He's, see, so many, as a bap, I don't mean this against, I'm glad I was raised in a denomination that taught me about truth. But this, we learn scriptures like this, like if you get out of line with God, you will perish because he'll knock you down. That, that's it. He'll pull life right out of you and you will no longer be covered by God. That's not what that says at all. The implication there is that when you go awry, when you go outside the boundaries of safe existence where the leading of his spirit causes you to think appropriately and move appropriately, if you go outside and you don't even realize and you have false gods, you're going to begin to perish. See, this is why in the garden he had said to Adam and Eve, don't go there and eat because in in dying, you will surely die. When he said, don't go there and eat that fruit, you'll die, he didn't mean you'll drop dead immediately. They would begin to entertain thinking and patterns of behavior that would take them down the path to die physically, which is exactly what happened. Do you guys feel like I'm like, "Mm." is it okay? Okay. Um, He says, you'll perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. So he's preparing them. You need to think a certain way in order to go in and possess, to go in and live, to go in and have all the provision I've provided for you. Um, And then verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Not he's not meaning it's, it's the earth is built to record what we put into it. It's important that we understand we're speaking things into this earth. God did not put debilitation, sickness, disease, those things on this earth. They came about because man entertained dark thinking. And then fear allows a lot of things to transpire. I call heaven and earth as witness or to record that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. See, it doesn't say obey all this because your obedience to the rules is your life. No, it says he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So literally, 
Each moment and how God guides us is designed to protect other moments. Take that away tonight, seriously. So let's go back to, um, and I'm going to end with this. I asked you weeks ago, and I brought it up again tonight, do we perceive truth? If God comes, or no, I'm going to say, as God comes in our study of truly the life of a worshiper, the life of me as a worshiper, you, you would say that to God. I want to understand my life as a worshiper to you, God. Um, do I perceive truth? If he comes with truth that messes with my current understanding of doctrine or biblical truth or Christian life, will I recognize that it's the Holy Spirit? Do you know your own heart and mind well enough to know when something comes and lifts you with life or presses you down? You see, it's really, this is the moment-to-moment thing, because when things come and they press us down, we need to understand there is a force behind that. And it's meant to distract us from God, to discourage us, to get our eyes off that which produces life. Now, when we go to, um, I'm not going to go there, but Ephesians 1.18, Paul prayed that he would open the eyes of your understanding. And the word there is for understanding is dianoia, and it's through the mind, a thinking through, a pondering, a meditation. Our imagination is where surrendering to God or worship actually begins. In our imagination, when we begin to recognize, okay, creepy thinking has come in, stuff that maybe is making me egotistical or making me prideful or making me feel sad or making me feel inept or making me feel incapable or causing me to not have hope. These are not just small human emotions. These, there's a force backing this stuff. You see, the greatest, I heard a teacher say this one time, that, that Satan, that the greatest lie um, that helps Satan is that nobody believes he exists. That there are many people that think all this, you know, the demonic and all that. Well, Jesus talked about it. You see, we either have to believe everything Jesus said or nothing he said. But see, religion will cause us to begin to even make a God out of our own belief structure or our own denomination or our own pastor. And we begin to think, well, I could never think separately from him because I got saved because of his ministry. See, it's very seductive how the enemy will take us down roads to just inch us away. Pastor Barry used to say that a good golf shot, it doesn't have to be way off. If it's off by one degree when he hits it, it can land 100 feet off the green by just being a couple of degrees off when he hits it in his swing. God is coming into this school and into our lives. And, um, you know, Grace and J.R. and I even, we sat in my office before, you know, we came up here. And we're just putting our lives out there together with you because God is doing something so beautiful in the earth. And he would like for those of us that are in church and have been in church a while to do it with him, but he's, he's going to open the eyes of people, and he's going to set people free, 
And so it's good if we would just make choices that there's some things he's going to touch, and I need to know truth. I need to recognize what he's speaking to me. Um, I encourage you after tonight, if you feel as though, you know, there's anything taking place that you're curious about or you don't understand or you don't agree with and you want to talk, just contact one of us or grab us after, you know, um, so on Wednesday nights and just say, I'd like to sit down and chat. And we'll chat through these things because it's really imperative that we let God enliven us. It's important that people that don't yet know that he's good, that he's loving, that they can see evidence of his goodness in our lives. Even if we don't understand, you know, at the beginning I said, you may not understand what he's doing. We don't have to literally, you know, give them, you know, 10 points and 50 scriptures and literally a written course to understand. If we just begin from our hearts to say, you know, I, I can't take you everywhere, but I'm learning these things and I'm seeing that God is so faithful to me. When we speak that from our hearts, when our hearts are open to say, I really do trust him in spite of maybe the hell I'm walking through right now, but I know he's with me. I remember um, my stepfather said to me and he was he had a terminal illness and I was I had only been baptized in the Spirit for, I don't even think, a year, maybe maybe a year, I don't know. And um, I was trying to minister the healing scriptures to him. And he looked at me one day and he said, I can see in your eyes you really believe it. I just don't see it. But he did end up getting born again before he passed. But you see, if we just share, if we just let people touch our hearts, but we'll only have the courage to do that when we let him touch, set us free. Amen. Um, let's see if there's anything else I want to. So we really want to um, allow truth to penetrate every fiber of our being. So, so I want to pray, and um, I encourage you if if this is what you want, just release your heart. Just you know, have your thoughts. However you would do it, just agree with me, and we're going to be in agreement. Whoever wants to do this. Um, I really want to see truth. I want to recognize truth. If God comes and says, this is something you've believed and it's really not beneficial to you and you can let it go, then I want to recognize if that's God. I don't want to be tricked. You know, sometimes we can be paranoid when it comes to a new movement of God in our lives because I used to think, well, a lot of people think it's God and then go down these roads of error. But that's part of the power of having a group, having people you trust, is you believe that you hear from God, but when you have question marks, sometimes you just get with other people and talk and say, do you think I'm hearing God? I used to go to Pastor Barry and say, I believe he said this to me. Do you think this is him? And I learned how he would teach me. He, you know, If he really believed it was God, he would say, absolutely, that's totally God. And if he didn't believe it was God, he never said, that is not God. He would say, you just stay before the Lord on that. I believe you'll have wisdom. And so I learned that was kind of him nudging me, stay, stay close to Scripture right now. Because he knew my eyes were going to be opened in ways that it wasn't for him, it was for me. So, Father, we love you, and we trust you. I trust you. And, and Father, I, I want to literally yield my life that um, as much as I love you and have a deep desire that you receive the honor and worship that really is due you. I just thank you that as you come, I'll recognize truth. I I pray that for each man and woman here too, that 
as we delve into this and each faculty member brings their full hearts and opens up, I thank you that you're going to cause us to be able to trust and have faith in what you are saying to each one of us. And we just thank you that the result of that is going to be deeper relationship for each one of us with you, with one another, and in this realm of expression of your goodness in the earth. Uh, I thank you, Father, for these men and women. I thank you for their beautiful hearts. I thank you for the fire that is in them. And even if they don't feel the fire, I thank you, Father, you live there. So there is fire, good fire. Not fire that burns them up and makes them feel crazy, but fire that burns the icky stuff away from them. You're doing that. They don't have to fight for it. So, Father, we love you, and um, I just commit all of what we're doing in this particular portion this year in Jesus' name. Amen.